we've done today is, is the final class in our series. It's been a five, five uh, step series, if you will, of a presentation of the gospel, a presentation of the gospel rooted in the very first gospel sermon here, Acts chapter two, the apostle Peter preaching about Jesus. And he says, all of Israel, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucify, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And we believe this is God's good news to us. This is not the Greater Wilmington Church good news. This is not Kevin's good news to you. This is the, the good news given to us from the apostles, from Jesus Christ, from God, of how we can be brought back in this renewed relationship with God. And we believe as the Bible describes, as Jesus describes, we were created to be in eternal relationship with God. That's why we exist. And Jesus came to bring us this good news. And despite all of our rebellion and our sin, that we can be brought back in this great relationship. And, and Peter here, he tells us what to do. He says that we need to repent. Well, first we respond with faith, right? We become this belief that we that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And we need to change our thinking and choose to follow him and surrender over to him, which repentance is. And then he says to be baptized, to receive this great gift of Christian baptism. We did a, did a, a sermon on that, and what baptism is, the significance of it, this, this being born again of water and the spirit, as Jesus describes in John chapter 3. And then there's amazing gifts that God gives us, the forgiveness of sin. And we unpacked that a little bit last week, didn't we? That we know that that's our biggest need, our biggest desires for every one of us to be at peace with God. And we can only be at peace with God when we are forgiven by God. And that's the gift that he gives us. We can never do enough to make ourselves be at peace. We can't be good enough people to erase our sins and things we've done we feel guilty about. We are only forgiven when God forgives us. And here Jesus says through the apostle Peter that we are given forgiveness of sins. If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. If you're in Christ, you're at peace with God, amen? And, and, and I had to say it over and over again last Sunday because we, we, we forget it. And, and, and we, we want to push back against that sometimes. And we want to think that God, yeah, he forgives others. But for me, you know, I still got to do these things for God to be proud of me and to forgive me. No, we're forgiven because God forgives us through Jesus Christ. What great news that we can be at peace. We can live in peace because we are forgiven of our sins through Jesus. Today, I want to focus on this one more piece here in this gospel message from Peter. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I hope you reserve the next five hours for us to talk about the Holy Spirit. 
And we will still just scratch the surface. No, we won't do that. I'm going to try to do this in 20, 25 minutes. But I want to try to help us have a greater grasp of what the gift of the Holy Spirit is and what it means. I have six points. I'm watching the clock. I can see it. I still can see. Okay. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay. Faith, repentance, baptism, forgiveness of sins, and the Holy Spirit. Here we go. The gift of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing gift the Holy Spirit is. And I don't think we're really aware of that. We sang the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You know, and then that, that line, let us become more aware of your presence. That's our biggest problem. Because we are so unaware of all that the Holy Spirit is doing right now within your life and my life in this room, in this city, in this world. And I want us to become more, more aware of his presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a gift received in Christian baptism. Now, there is a lot more of the Holy Spirit. If you go through the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit did this and did that and spoke through Balaam's donkey. And I mean, there's a lot of amazing things that the Holy Spirit did, did and does. But one thing we do see very clearly in the gospel message is that we can receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in Christian baptism. We look there in Acts 2, when the first Christians were baptized, they says you receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here, look at this interesting moment in Acts chapter 19. Apollos, a great preacher in the gospel, he was in Corinth and he and Paul, they took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And they found some disciples. So these were followers of somebody, but these aren't exactly followers of Jesus. These are going to be followers of John the Baptist. They're disciples of John the Baptist. Now, were they very devoted and moral and godly people? Absolutely. So they asked them, these disciples of John the Baptist, did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed. And look at these disciples of John the Baptist. They said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? These, these, these men who were very well versed in Torah, who were, who, were, who were followers of John the Baptist, this great prophet in the wilderness, they had never even heard about this Holy Spirit that they were going to be able to participate in. So Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? So it has something to do with this baptism. And they said, well, we received John's baptism. We know John preached baptism for the forgiveness of sins, for repentance, but there was nothing about the Holy Spirit in John's baptism. And Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Like I just said, he told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it was a different baptism. This is a new covenant, a new baptism, a baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. <clears throat> Come on, Spirit, help my voice stay with me. 
a lot of interesting things in this passage, but we do see a connection here. Well, one thing I want to point out, a connection in the baptism and what baptism they received. And what baptism was, was not for the Holy Spirit, what baptism was for the Holy Spirit. That the baptism in the name of Jesus was going to be about the Holy Spirit. I think one way to think about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, and if you don't know all these stories, that's fine. Just kind of, you know, just some things may go over your head a little bit, but we love to open the Bible and explain these things to you. But on, in Acts chapter 2 was a very, very important day. A day that was prophesied about for, for, for a thousand plus years that where God was going to pour out his spirit. And he did literally do that. He said fire came down out of the sky and rested upon the apostles. And that's when Peter preached that sermon. He's standing with me there. There's this pouring out that God did the spirit. This pouring out. But for us to participate in this, that this is poured out, and there's a, there's a pool of the Holy Spirit, we must actually decide we want to take part in that as well. As Chad talked about in that communion message, we must take and eat. We must take and drink. We must choose to participate. So we are baptized into the spirit that has been poured out for us. Does that make sense? That's what the baptism in Jesus is about. This Holy Spirit we can experience. When we die to ourselves and we're buried with Jesus and we're raised with him in that water through our faith that we receive this spirit there's a question, like, Kevin, what's this about receiving this, these speaking in tongues? There are miraculous things that the Holy Spirit has done, does, and will do. But one mistake I think we can make is that that's what we expect to happen with the Holy Spirit. That because we have the Holy Spirit, we've been baptized in Jesus, now we should be able to do these miraculous things and speak in other languages and tongues and but not necessarily. One thing we have to see very clearly is that's, the not, that's not the primary thing the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? I think, number one, we see in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. The seal of our salvation. Paul describes it here in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 13. He says, he's talking to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, he says you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <laughs> the Holy Spirit in our lives is a sign and a seal that we are saved. When God looks down the world, he sees not just people and men and women and sin and righteousness, he sees the spirits. And I wish for a moment we could kind of take off that little veil in our eyes and have whatever those, those goggles or those Holy Spirit vision goggles are, and we could see the Holy Spirit resting on those who are saved. He said, is that it's our deposit? When, when Jesus comes back, he'll know, he'll see. And he sees now, he sees the Holy Spirit in his people's lives. And that spirit burns as a, as a fire within us. The Holy Spirit 
deposit that guarantees our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, our seal. Do you understand that? That is the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. The Holy Spirit helps us, helps Christians, helps those who have this seal, helps us live spiritual lives. You know, we can have those things. What is it to be a spirit-filled person? I got the spirit. It doesn't mean you can dance, okay? Although I love seeing people that dance the spirit. You know, David danced the spirit. Not this David. Can you dance the spirit? You can, I don't know. But the King David danced the spirit. I mean, um, what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? Jesus says this in John 14, where he's going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, this advocate, this counselor who is present in our lives today. Let's look at a few of these verses. In John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Now, this is before Jesus died, before he raised the dead. This is before Christian baptism was available. He says, one day when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will be here and he'll be able to be within you. And that's what we get to have. The Holy Spirit in our lives. Down in verse 26, it says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's one way we know that the gospels we have are given to us through, through, through the apostles because the Holy Spirit helped them remember all the things that Jesus taught them and said. The Holy Spirit directed them to give us everything he said. Well, how do we as Christians today in 2022 live in the this, this spirit? How are we taught by the spirit? Galatians 5, Paul says this. He says the fruit of the spirit, what comes out of the spirit or what it means to live a spirit-filled life. is a life of what? A life of love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Not to let those, those sinful and worldly things reign in our life the more simply put, the Holy Spirit helps us live spiritual lives. Spiritual lives are full of fruits of the Spirit that God is teaching us to be patient. God is teaching us to be generous and loving, to be self-controlled, to overcome our sinful natures, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to help us to be more and more like Jesus. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Um, 
Blake and Avery just got baptized uh, a couple weeks ago as well. Avery's Avery's at home. Sawyer's feeling sick too. She stayed home with Sawyer. Blake's teaching in the kids' class, which tells me, you know, he really is a disciple of Jesus. Now, um, <clears throat> he didn't complain about it. He was excited about serving that way. He loves kids. They're young. They have so much to learn about following Jesus. And, and it's like before they get baptized, like, yeah, you want to follow Jesus. Well, here's the thing. You're going to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you have some gifts and talents, but you know what? You're going to fail miserably. You need the Holy Spirit to teach you, to empower you, to equip you, to change you. And I know this, that God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's going to be the greatest gift to help them become more godly. Much more valuable than mama and daddy. And it's the Holy Spirit is going to shape them and change them. That same promise is for all of us. Think about your life. How many guys have been in the Lord for a long time? Think about how much God has shaped you. Think about how your thinking has changed so much from being a self-centered person because we all have been there. So there are actually times where you automatically are just unselfish in your thinking. You go like, wow, that's not me. That's different because God has shaped me. The Holy Spirit has changed me. The Holy Spirit has made me a prayerful person. The Holy Spirit has helped me learn how to worship God. The Holy Spirit has made me more aware of the beauty of his creation. The Holy Spirit is changing us all right now. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is who the Holy Spirit is in the life of a Christian. The Holy Spirit empowers, encourages, and directs Christians in the mission of Christ. You know that, that, that book of the Bible, the Acts, Acts in the Bible. Acts of what? Is it the Acts of the Apostles? Could be. Is that what it's talking about? Is that what the Christians were thinking when they, they think of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles? Maybe. But probably more importantly, more the more the real message is what are the acts of the Holy Spirit? Because over and over again, you see the people just trying to keep in step with what the Spirit is doing because the Spirit is, was, and is on a mission. On a mission. And when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Spirit is prompting us to be a part of the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit is doing. Empowering encouraging and directing us in the mission. There's so many passages through Acts. Acts 1, verse 8, <clears throat> Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and he's talking to the apostles. He says, you will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I believe that this power from the Spirit is available for us and we receive power from the Spirit. You ever done something or shared your faith with somebody or, or had that conversation and you're like, how did I do that? Did I say that? Wow. You know, I mean, I mean you know, Jay, maybe a conversation y'all had in the last few weeks. Wow, we had this conversation. I don't know. The Holy Spirit is working, is working and empowering us. 
Oftentimes I pray for that when I preach and I speak. That the Holy Spirit speaks through me. And there, there's times, I love those times, when, when you realize that, you know what, that was a pretty cool sermon, but man, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit empowered me. There were things that I didn't have written on that script that, you know, that, that came and the, and the Holy Spirit guided me. And I, and I love that. I believe the Holy Spirit does that. And if it's not just for me, but it's for all of us. The Holy Spirit comes on us and gives us power. The Holy Spirit encourages us. Think about that word, giving us courage. Giving us courage. In Acts 9, verse 31, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by what? The Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. It increased in numbers. Are you nervous about sharing the gospel with others? Are you nervous about opening the Bible and leading a Bible study with somebody? Are you nervous about getting up front and sharing a communion message? Are you nervous about singing a, a, a song of worship? Are you nervous about this or nervous about that? Are you nervous about talking to your family about God, talking to your coworkers about God? Are you nervous about that? Yes, we all are nervous about things like that. Okay? But quit thinking about yourself. If the Holy Spirit's given us that love, then we're going to want to share what really matters with the people. And we're going to step out of our comfort zone. You know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to take over. And he's going to use that Bible study. He's going to use those conversations. He's going to use those prayers and God's Holy Spirit. And we're talking, you'll come back to that and you'll, you won't say, wow, I did such a great job sharing my faith with them. That's not what you'll think. You'll say, wow, look what God is doing. Look how God directed that conversation. Look how God gave me what to say and how to say it. Look how God put that scripture on my heart. Look how God gave me the courage to say those things. Look how God gave me the compassion to cry with them. Look what God is doing. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Acts 8 verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, Go down to that chariot and stay near it. Was it an audible voice? Is that what it sounded like? Probably was not in English. I don't think it was in Swahili either. It probably was in Greek or maybe in Hebrew. I don't know what it was in. But the Spirit told Philip. But was it more probably a prompting from within? I kind of think it was. I don't think it was this blue light shining in the distance saying philip i think it was he knew you know what god wants me to go over there you ever had that before god wants me to talk to my neighbor god wants me to share with them god is opening a door for this i believe god the holy spirit is orchestrating things all the time and prompting us directing us because God wants his gospel to be made known. Much more than we do, guys.
and we open our hearts up to the prompting of the Spirit, and we have the Spirit in our lives, the sign and seal of our deliverance, and this guide for us and how to live a life of love in Jesus Christ. This Spirit is going to prompt you. The Spirit is going to, to speak to you and guide you and direct you. Be ready, as Philip did, to respond. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, this is an interesting way I put this, is the prosecuting attorney against sin. And he's the defense attorney for Jesus and his followers. Kevin, where do you get that? Well, it's all in the Bible. Let's look at this too. Jesus says this, John 16, very truly I tell you, it is for your good I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, this Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I, I will send him to you. When he comes, listen to this. Jesus says, he, the Holy Spirit, will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. As we'll say some things here that you're going to have to go back and read about 27 times. And still you may have a lot of questions like I do. But he says about sin, because people do not believe in me, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can no longer see me, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Okay, go back and read that 27 times. Think about it, a lot of things in there. But what I do see is this. The Holy Spirit's going to have the authority. Maybe he's not just the judge. Maybe God is the judge. It's hard for us to understand the Trinity. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit this, this, this prosecuting attorney bringing about all the evidence? It's God's house presented here, defending the, the innocent and, and, and accusing the, the guilty. <clears throat> it seems that way the Holy Spirit is going to make everything very clear. Here's the thing. In this world right now, a lot of people are trying to get away with redefining what morality is. But the Holy Spirit will set everything right. We shouldn't worry so much about what all the world's doing and teaching and how to go against the ways of God, going against the ways of, of, of the Bible, of Jesus Christ, because the world is and always has been doing that. It's doing that right now, all the time. He says the Holy Spirit is going to prove to everybody what's really right and what's really wrong. It's not necessarily our job, guys. The Holy Spirit's doing that. He's going to set everything straight. He's going to set everything straight. To me, it's kind of encouraging because I just get so discouraged watching the news, don't you? We got the greatest attorney on our sides, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Sin will be proven wrong. Jesus will be proven right. The Holy Spirit will bring everything to life. Last point here, which I could have about a lot more of them. And, and, and to tell you the truth, church, I, I, I feel like I've got so much to learn about the Holy Spirit. There's so much to learn about the Holy Spirit. I think we all do. But hopefully today will bring us a little bit more awareness of some ways the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The voice of the Holy Spirit must be relied on. The voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives must be listened to. 
So I believe this is the problem. I believe we have so many voices jockeying for our attention that rarely are we really trying to listen in to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us and say to us. And we won't hear it. We won't hear him unless we listen. Unless we really want to listen to the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, we get a, a scene where we see a group of people who are really striving to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to them. And they're going through some hard hardships and they're trying to do what the gods, they believe God wants them to do and they're, and they're getting persecuted. And, and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, are, 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 are kind of warring against these very first Christians. And Peter and John, they're, they're, they've gone to, to prison and they come back and they're, it's, it's, they're just, just discouraged. Discouraging for the church. And there's, they're feeling a lot. They're, they're anxious. They're afraid. And then they go back to their people and they reported the chief priests, the elders, <coughs> said to them, and the people, they, they heard this and they, they did, they raised their voices together in prayer. And they said, Sovereign Lord, they speak to God. They said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And they're going to quote the Old Testament here. He said, Why do the nations rage and the peoples? Plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what do we see here? What do we see? They, they, they did. They, they got the information and they went to God in prayer. And then they went to Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit to listen to what God has, is, was doing, what he's telling them, and they were listening to what God had done. They were reminded God, they were praying, they were going to Scripture. And I think if we're going to tap into what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, we've got to go back to Scripture, the inspired text that God has given to us. And we got to go to God together in prayer. And look what God does to, after they pray. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Brothers and sisters, that's a picture of listening to the Holy Spirit, seeking his will. God does cool things to affirm what he's doing with us. You know, here we see this, this miracle, this, this earthquake, this shaking of the ground. You know, 
don't think they expected that. They didn't ask for that to happen. And God really specifically wanted to encourage them in a specific way. But church, I think we should take this same, this same approach that we need to listen, we need to quiet those, those voices. Why, why do we pray? Why do we, we stay in the scripture? Because we, we want to we wanna be attentive to what God is saying. We want to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Where is he leading us? How is he shaping us? We've got to pray. If we're not praying, it's going to be hard to listen to the Spirit. If we're not reading from, from the Spirit-inspired words of God, it's been very, very difficult to know what the Spirit is saying to us today. We must listen to the Spirit. Faith. Jesus, we're here to follow Jesus Christ. He's it. He is the King. He's coming back. Do you believe it? Where's your faith? Repentance. All right, I'm in. I believe. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to follow him. I'm changing. Receive baptism in Jesus Christ. Receive his gift. Receive this peace with God we have through the blood of Jesus. This great gift of the Holy Spirit. A sign, a seal of our salvation. A helper, a teacher a guide in our life that we all need. Prompting us as we partner with Jesus in his ministry, in his work, in sharing the gospel to encourage us and empower us, equipping us with the words to say and how to say it and the heart to have and how to give it. As we strive to listen to the prompting of the Spirit in prayer and through scripture, Let's let the Spirit lead us, church. I'm excited to see what the Spirit's going to do through the greater Wilmington Church. Excited to see what He's going to do in my life and your life and so many people's lives. What God is doing, He is alive and well. The Holy Spirit is, is living and active. The Word is living and active. We are living out the book of Acts. The book of Acts just kind of ends. There's no conclusion to the book of Acts because we're still living in these spirit filled times today, church. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith, repentance, baptism, forgiveness, Holy Spirit. God's gospel. Jesus' gospel. Amen, church? Let's stand together and let's pray.